Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. Now, here's your hosts, Pippin Williamson and Brad Tunar. Welcome to episode 55. This time, Pippin and I will be talking about whether or not we should have automatic renewals for our plugins and the challenges of implementing automatic renewals in code. I guess we're going to give our updates first. Uh, and it's been a long time, right? Um, how you doing, Pippin? I'm doing good. It's definitely been a long time since we've we've done an update. Uh, I mean, our last episode was with Carrie Dills, and we kind of jumped right into the subject matter there. So I know we've been busy for the last, uh, well, it's been at least a month to a month and a half since we've done an update. Um, I'm sure you guys have been just as busy. Yeah, man, I've got all kinds of stuff to share. Probably, I had to cut some stuff out. <laughs> yeah, we can't we can't get everything in either. Yeah, that's right. Um, but first, uh, I just want to mention that we have a sponsorship spot available uh, for you know, kind of like ongoing. Like, if you want to sponsor our show for X number of episodes or kind of per- semi permanently, uh, we have or a spot a available. Episode. Yeah, or a single episode, whatever. Uh, we've choose an email from the website, um, especially if you have a product or a service that you would like us to check out. We'd be more than happy to review it. Cool. Wait, what have you been up to then, Pippin? Uh, well, as I mentioned uh, in the, the last episode, I got back from a trip to New Zealand, um, or maybe our last episode was right before I went to New Zealand. Dang, now I don't even remember. But I went to New Zealand for about two weeks. Uh, my wife and kids and I went down, and we visited... Um, my, my teammate, Andrew, Andrew Monroe, who works on Easy Digital Downloads and Affiliate WP with me. He's also the, the master behind all the, uh, the site design for Affiliate WP, Pippin's Plugins, and Restricted Content Pro. Um, so went down and visited him and visited, um, uh, just explored New Zealand for a while. It was, it was awesome. Cool. Uh, I got a, were, were you in the North Island or the, the South Island? North Island. So we are okay. in Auckland, which is... Uh, one of the main the main cities, and we stayed stayed in Auckland the whole time, and then I mean we ventured out to and went to various places. Okay, I, I did quite a bit of touring around the North Island. I haven't gotten to the South Island, but did you oh, did you check out Tulum while you were there? Uh, no, that doesn't ring a bell. I think it's called Tulum. I might be wrong. Um, that's where I did a skydive. It was it's a uh, so Tulum is like a big. Um, crater basically it was like the biggest um you know what it's not tulum i'm thinking uh, that's uh, tulum is in mexico <laughs> slightly different part of the world <laughs> yeah yeah no it's oh it's something like that though uh it, it anyway i'll describe it it's like this giant lake that was created by the largest volcanic eruption I have heard uh, of that. Ever recorded. So the Chinese, like in ancient times, recorded it in their history books. And at the same time, the Roman Empire did as well. Um, so it was, it's, it was like a huge event. Uh, there it is. P- Taupo, Lake Taupo. We, I, I've heard of that. Uh, yeah. I think Andrew mentioned it to us and was definitely an option to go look at, but we didn't make it up there. It's pretty far from, from Auckland. Sure. Uh, so yeah. I, I really want to go back now. I want to go explore all the South Island and more of the North Island. It was, it was a great time. Definitely looking forward to going back again. And we got to spend some, some uh, one of our other contributors is down there, Lisa Gibson. She does a lot of work on Affiliate WP and is starting to do more on EDD and the other projects as well. And so she's also in Auckland and got to go meet her face-to-face for the first time. And it was nice to put a face to a name and it's a good time. Um, while we we're down there, we also expanded our team. We added two new 
uh, part-time support people to easy digital downloads. Um, what, you just you just went to New Zealand and just started hiring the first people you saw? Or what? <laughs> well, they're both, one's in the U.S. and one's Canada. So I had to leave okay. the country to hire them. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, we went down and it was actually kind of unplanned, but we had an impromptu team meeting and just decided, you know what, we're a little overwhelmed. We need more people on board. We need to get some more help and support. Uh, and so I sent out some some uh, quick messages and got a couple of people interested and we had them going the next day. So are those people that were already contributing somehow to EDD? Yes. yes. Uh, so we, uh, Barbara Atkinson, um, she's joined us. She is a the developer of a theme called Square Code that's been on ThemeForest for a while, as well as many other themes. Uh, she and her husband run a uh, theme to business called Creative. And uh, Square Code is actually an EDD marketplace theme. Uh, so she was already very well versed in EDD, uh, knew the system pretty well. Uh, and so it was a no brainer pick for us. Uh, and then the other one is, is Phil Johnston, who uh, is the owner of Mint Themes and Mint Plugins um, and has also done a lot of EDD work over the last couple of years. And so again, was pretty much a no brainer pick uh, when when both of them emailed back that they were interested. And so they've now been working in the support for EDD for three weeks now, uh, and everything's going great. It's made an amazing difference. Um, actually, just, it was just kind of cool. I wanted to look and see what is adding two people do to our stats in terms of like our ticket stats, uh, and I realized that it has improved uh, the number of emails that we send out by 30% has increased the number of tickets that we close by 30% and has decreased the number of tickets that each individual person handles by like 30 or 40%. Wow, that's impressive. So it was definitely, um, I think, the right move for us at the time. Uh, we also, uh, about the same time, or actually just a, a, little, a little later, a couple of days ago, uh, we brought on a another part-time developer to uh, at least do a four-week development period to work on RCP, uh, Restricted Content Pro, for about 15 hours a week to do some some major improvements and see if we can get uh, our next major version pushed out in the next month or so. Uh, and that'll be great as well. Um, and all of that has also been very, very helpful in allowing us to get, get a big project wrapped up, which has been the rebuild of our recurring payments plugin for EDD that we've had. We've had a recurring payments plugin for EDD for nearly three years now, but it was always kind of lackluster. It never did quite what I wanted. It was, to me, it felt like an MVP and not not much more than that. Was was uh, that the plugin? Were you using that yourself on? We on have your never site? used it ourselves. Okay. What what do you guys uh, we, use then? For for for, for like automatically renewing uh, licenses and stuff. Well, uh, that has been that's a brand new thing, which. I guess we're going to get into here in a little bit. Um, and that was one of the reasons for completely rebuilding recurring payments. Um, oh, right. So people don't actually automatically renew. They they have to man. They get the email and then they right. manually. Our, our license renewals right. have always been manual. Right. Um, and we'll get into the discussion a little bit, but we've wanted to turn them into automatic renewals. In order to do that through easy digital downloads, we we needed to rebuild the system to make it not just possible, it was already possible, but we needed to make it a whole lot better. Uh, it had some serious weak points and some some issues. And so we decided to rebuild it from the ground up. Uh, we basically said, let's ignore backwards compatibility. Let's ignore everything that was the plugin and let's build it the way that we want it to be. 
And then after it's done, let's see what we can do about backwards compatibility. Uh, and that was that was kind of an, uh, a cool experiment for us because we've never done it that way. We've always gone with the, we're going to maintain backwards compatibility through, throughout the entire development process. Um, and in this particular case, we decided that the changes that had to be made were so drastic that we would cripple ourselves if we did that. Right. Uh, Is, was it also a matter of looking at how many people were using it? And and was that a factor? Like No. No. Okay. No. So, there's, um, there, so there is a lot of people that are going to... Recurring payments is in our top three most popular plugins. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So it's it's a huge plugin for us. This this rebuild is going to, I mean, it's going to dramatically boost it much, much further because it's, honestly, it's not even the same plugin. We actually considered even launching it as a new plugin. Ultimately, the reason we didn't is because we wanted to make sure that every existing customer uh, could could still get access to it without us having to do a bunch of work to add things to their accounts and such like that. Right. Um, so are you going to release this uh, and just tell people that currently have it, you can't upgrade yet, but we're working on it kind of thing? Well, uh, so we've done a few things. Number one, uh, I told you that we broke backwards compatibility and it's kind of a lie because after the fact, we went through and it all works. We built an upgrade routine and it all works. We've tested migrating over 20,000 subscriptions on a site to the new system, uh, and it works perfectly. So one of the main challenges is that the original uh, plugin only supported one subscription per user account, and we wanted to support multiple subscriptions per user account. Well, to do that, we decided that the best option, uh, the old version stored basically subscription data in user meta. So it gave them a expiration date, a status, and a couple of other things. Um, we decided to move everything to a custom table. Uh, so we have precise control over our data schema. Uh, and so we took all of those records from user meta into a custom table. We took records from, from our payments data, like which is stored in WP Post and a couple other places and moved it all into a custom table. And, and so that was a, a migration routine that we had to do. We also had to go in and account for, because the old system was, to put it frankly, really crappy, um, we found that we had a lot of cases where we'd have subscriptions that have missing data. So like they wouldn't have a payment profile ID from Stripe or PayPal. It was just missing for some reason. And so in our upgrade routine, we, we built out calls to the actual Stripe and PayPal APIs to go and retrieve that information so that we can um, not only move data, but fix data as well. Oh yeah, um, that's really nice. We did have, there's a couple of places where we've, we have broken backwards compatibility, but only on a very minor scale. Um, if you so could let example, people know about that somehow, like by showing like a little notice, like uh, after they they run their migration that says, you know, oh, by the way, we fixed these things that uh, you didn't even know about. <laughs> That that would I think that like because you're doing it, but if you don't let people know, they'll never know that that you've done yeah, that's this absolutely true. awesome extra work. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we should we should probably consider doing that. Yeah, um, it's just it it seems to be like communicating that you're doing something awesome is always like the part I feel like developers always leave out because it's it, it's extra work, right? To to add that notice, so so why do it? <laughs> We did have, we ha there's a few things that we did break backwards compatibility on in terms of a couple of code things. Uh, we tried to make them work as best we can, but there's some nuances to it. Um, for example, like we had some helper functions that would like retrieve a customer status. Well, 
what's suddenly if you have one subscription and now you have five subscriptions on a customer, like what status do you retrieve? Do you retrieve the status of the first subscription or the last subscription? So there was a few things like that. So we ended up writing up a big blog post that detailed every single change that, that we made that was breaking or um, could affect people in some way and published that on our developer blog. Uh, and we'll put that in the show notes. And then we also wrote up a, a preview post recently that just shows all of the, the new things that are coming in the plugin and very excited about it. Um, it was nice to finally get it built. It's been about a six to eight month process plus another six months of kind of planning. Uh, the original, the planning for this release started at Pressnomics last year and we're almost at Pressnomics this year. So right. wow. it's been a year of process. Yeah. But it's very close. Um, and then one last update and that we did is over at Affiliate WP, we just released a new add-on called Signup Referrals. Uh, for a long time, we've had a lot of people request the ability to record referral commissions anytime that an affiliate it basically refers an account. So like if, an, if a user account is created from an affiliate, then record a commission. And so we built the pro add-on that, that does that and it integrates with a lot of the popular plugins that create user accounts, user registrations. So things like EDD, WooCommerce, Gravity Forms first with user registration add-on, Ultimate Member, User Pro, and a few others. Um, so it's a new add-on that's available to, to all of our professional and Ultimate license holders uh, as a free download. And we put a blog post and I'll include a link in the show notes to that if anybody's interested in checking it out. Cool. One question about yes. uh, the recurring uh, add-on for EDD. Uh, did you, so you said it took eight months or so. When you first started, did you feel like it was going to take that long? Did you kind of know or was it kind of a surprise? Um, yes and no. I mean, I knew it was a big project to take on. Um I didn't necessarily know exactly how big um, for one, because we weren't really sure what it was going to look like in terms of the upgrade process. Oh, one thing that I left out on our upgrade process is that we've actually decided to disable automatic updates to the new version. Uh, if you want the new version, you have to install it manually. If, if you previously run a previous version and we ultimately decided to do that because would the upgrade work? Yes. Would everything work properly after the upgrade and they run the migration tune? Yes. However, because there are breaking changes, for example, there's a couple of short codes that we've changed because they just totally irrelevant now. There could be unexpected changes to a, to a site. And as we all know, there's a lot of people that are not good at reading change logs. And so it would be unexpected to them. Even if we put in giant bold letters, these are gone, this is changed, do this or do this, there would still be people that would get caught off guard. And so we decided it was better to ensure that only manual updates are done so that we can ensure that everybody who updates this knows what they're getting into. Right. That's definitely... Honestly, everybody should update because the new version is amazing in comparison. Yeah, but it should be done manually and, yes. and with with your yourself at the controls kind of thing. Exactly. I don't know. Like, I would say that that's probably a bad idea anyway for people to have automatic updates on, like, major version numbers anyways, right? Uh, especially well, running a... automated updates, but, like, the one-click updates. Oh, you've disabled one-click updates. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're not going to allow that. Oh. Um, so why again? Like what or why? Why? What's the difference between that and and just installing with the zip? I so guess. the big reason is this: a one-click update where WordPress says, "Hey, there's a new update available. Do you want to install it?" Yes, I do. That's a one-click process. You're done. Um, you have an opportunity to read a change log if you click a different button. 
but let's be honest, a lot of people don't. Um, I would I would go as far as to say the majority of people don't. Uh, and so what's going to happen when you update from version 2.3 to 2.4 is, number one, there are several short codes that don't exist anymore. We've left them registered with WordPress, but they're going to return an empty string because they're completely irrelevant now. Um, there are some, some PHP functions and classes that while they exist, their behavior is potentially potentially changed because of introducing multiple subscriptions per account. Um, and there's a new customer dashboard and there's some other front end changes that we decided that because e-commerce is so sensitive, one little tiny change on the front end could be considered dr drastic or even in some people's mind, catastrophic. Um, I mean, we, we've had people respond with emergency. This is a catastrophe. You have to help me immediately. My site is down because a button got put onto the next line. Right. On the front so, end. Like, that so, was the only thing that changed. So you feel that people having to go to your site first and get a zip file and install it manually is just a little bit more, it's more work. So they'll be more likely to check the change log or what? I guess basically that... by 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 putting people through a manual update process, we can be sure to get them in front of these are the changes. This is what you should expect. Um, will there be people that still just update to the new version blindly? Absolutely, but we're going to prevent some of them. Um, and and this is something that we've debated for a while. Uh, ultimately, in in the end, we are glad we've got it to a point where. It would be it would be safe to update, um, and by safe I mean there's not a single fatal error that's going to happen anywhere, ever. At least not that we've been able to account that we can think of. Um, so it would technically be a safe update, but we're not sure the risk is worth it. Did you consider uh, so after they install the update, putting a big notice or even redirecting them to like what I don't know what what we call a welcome page, but you could mm -hmm. call it like a critical notice page. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, but here's the problem with that. The update's done. <laughs> like, right. So imagine if, let's say that you are a shop owner, yeah. you have no technical knowledge, and you get put to a welcome screen that says, hey, by the way, all of this functionality is changed. These shortcodes don't exist, so you need to go update them. These functions don't exist, so you need to use them, or they've been deprecated, so you need to change them. And your mind explodes with, what do I do? Right. Like, then, unfortunately, like that's that would be putting it into the wrong app in front of the wrong people. Yeah, that's a really good point. I never thought of that. So yeah, that what ends up happening there is they pick up the phone and start yelling at a developer. <laughs> or they or they call it, they start yelling at us. Yeah. And so we kind of want to try and be preemptive and prevent some of that. Yeah. Um, no, good point. Yeah. And this is this is the only time we've ever done it. And it's interesting because usually I would be so against a lot of this. Like the idea of number one, breaking some compatibility and two, not allowing auto update, things like that. But ultimately, we just decided that it's such a drastic improvement um, and a drastic change that we decided it's necessary. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll see. Uh, it could be that a week after we release it, we realize, you know what? Let's re-enable auto-updates or re-enable one-click updates. Do you think it would have taken you a lot longer to, to do it if you had have just gone the backwards compatibility route and like made everything better? No. Actually, would I think it would have been faster, but it would have been much more limited. We would have said, "Okay, this feature simply can't be done." Ah, uh, 
Right. So you would have which sacrificed. Which is exactly why we said we have to break it. We have to break backwards compatibility because there were certain features that ultimately just either they couldn't be done or they would be broken. Right. By, or severely limited. Ah, huh. okay. Um, and so we, we kind of looked at it as a, we want to build the plugin that we wanted from the get-go. This is our opportunity to build it. So let's do it. Um, and it's something that, I mean, people have been asking for it since day one. Almost everybody that uses the, the existing recurring payments plugin for EDD asks for what we put into this. Um, right. So I think yeah. it sounds like from what you just told me, I probably would have made the same decision as you did. Because <laughs> sometimes... Cool. It's validated at least. Yeah, because sometimes the you know go, progress is more important than backwards, backwards compatibility, right? So. I think as long as you don't ignore backwards compatibility, yes, um, yeah. which is what we ultimately did here. Is we said, look, we're going to ensure that number one, here's a rule: no site goes down because of this update because we ignored something. Anybody who installs this update, their site should still function absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and as long as we've maintained that level of backwards compatibility, everything else is negotiable. Right. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, we'll get back into a little bit more in recurring here in a little bit. So, uh, let's move to you, Brad. What have you yeah. and your team been up to in the last few weeks? Yeah. So we've been uh, hiring for the last few months, uh, at least. Uh, and uh, we ended up just welcoming a uh, new full-time developer. So Matt Matt Shaw has joined us full time. Awesome! And yeah, so we're pretty stoked about that. Uh, what else we've been up to? And what is what is Matt's role in the company? Is he working on a specific pr uh, product? Is he working on everything? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's a developer, so he'll be working on uh, MigrateDB Pro uh, with Jeff, and they'll be pushing that forward. And, uh, but he'll be, you know, helping out with the support, doing documentation, writing on our blog, all, all the stuff the rest of the team do, uh, does as well. So yeah, Very cool. Yeah. So there's that, uh, we just did a bunch of releases last week. Uh, we released, did two major releases. So assets add on 1.1, 1 .1, uh, that's for WP offload S3 the, the funny thing with that that add-on uh, is that the the first release was kind of a beta, even though we called it 1.0. I wouldn't call it a beta because it didn't break anything. There wasn't major bugs that would break your site or anything. Uh, but it actually didn't make your assets any faster. <laughs> that was the big problem because it didn't gzip or minify them, right? Uh, so it didn't really do much. It just sent them to, you know, Amazon S3, and then you could use CloudFront to serve them. But that really didn't help that much compared to using your own server. Um, so, yeah, we, we added those two features, uh, minification and gzip. And now it's a big, big improvement. You can That's go. Awesome. Yeah, we've uh, Ashley wrote a blog post uh, about about the release, and he did some testing with uh, PageSpeed. Uh, Google PageSpeed, and he, he brought a score from a C to an A uh, by I'm, just I'm by... I'm looking at that right now. That's a, a substantial improvement. Yeah, so it's pretty pretty huge. Um, the funny thing is, while we were building it, uh, Amazon uh, CloudFront released gzip support. <laughs> so you actually don't... If you're using CloudFront, you don't actually need to enable our gzip feature. 
Uh, in fact, in fact, we tell you not to specifically if you're using CloudFront uh, and to use CloudFronts um, because it, it just makes way more sense to, to just have CloudFront handle that. Um, because the thing is, um, the browser requests, you know, it, it sends the header accept encoding, you know, when, the brow when your browser supports gzip. It says it sends the header accept encoding gzip, and then that tells the server, okay, I can send them gzip, a gzipped file, and they'll be able to de decompress it and read it. Well, before CloudFront released gzip support, if you sent that header to CloudFront, it would it would just ignore it. It didn't know what to do with it. Uh, but now it actually understands that, and it'll actually serve you a gzip version. And CloudFront does the gzipping for you. It, you don't have oh, to. Oh, that's nice. You don't have to uh, do it. You don't have to worry about anything really. So yeah, yeah, I would I'd recommend using that. But if you're using like a, a different CDN, or if you're just using S3 for some reason, which we don't recommend, <laughs> you could you know you could use the G, our, our gzipping feature. Super cool. Yeah. And uh, we also released last week a uh, multi-site tools add-on 1.1. And that gives uh, you the ability to push a subsite from a multi-site install to a single site install. So basically spin out a subsite as its own standalone install of WordPress. That is freaking stellar. Yeah. I love that feature so much. And, uh, and it goes the other way. So you can actually, from a single site install, so you're on a single site install, you can pull in a subsite from a multi-site install oh, as well. That's so cool. Uh, All right, yeah. I have a feature request for you. Okay. Uh, and or a question, maybe this is possible. Because I ran into this the other day. Okay. Uh, I was actually trying to use my DB Pro and I realized I couldn't use it. Um, so what I wanted to do is I was actually testing our migration routine for recurring payments for the 2.4 update. Um, and so what I had done is a few weeks ago, I had gone in and I'd set up an old testing site and then allow and set up some live subscriptions in it that were processing and recording renewal payments on a daily basis. And so I had a couple hundred records in there. And then what I wanted to do was go in and test the migration script and say, okay, let's make sure that this works. And I wanted to then have a quick reset in the case that it failed. Now there's numerous ways to do this. Uh, but one of the ways that I was hoping to do it, and turns out I couldn't, is I wanted to pull that, and I did this in a networks in a, in a multi-site. Um, so I, I, I had done this on one subsite. So I wanted to pull one subsite into another subsite, basically ah. to duplicate the site. Yeah, yeah. That's, you can make that possible. That would be so awesome. That is slated for version 1.3 of multi-site tools add-on. So it's it should be out, you know, uh, hopefully this year. <laughs> but awesome. uh, you know. You know how priorities work. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I know. But, but, but I will give you a way to do that today. <laughs> ah, nice. How do with, you do it? With this update, you can do it. So what you could do is you can stick a single site install in between your two multi-sites. So you push your subsite into the single site. And then from your other multi-site install, you pull that single site uh -huh. in, in okay. as a subsite. So you basically just use a you have a staging site where you say, okay, let's push the data temporarily and then pull it back out. Yep, exactly. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. That's yeah. cool. So you can do it that way. It's a little extra work, but yeah, it might be less work than doing it manually. <laughs> yeah, I know that there's other ways to, um, and anybody listening, if you have a good way to do this, um, please shoot me a, Ping on Twitter, on Slack, 
an email or whatever. Uh, I know there's ways to duplicate one subsite and just like completely duplicate it into another site in the network. Um, I think maybe Backup Buddy does it right now. There's a plugin called Duplicator that I could have sworn did it, but I don't know if it was just me having a stupid day. I couldn't figure out how to make it make it work. Um, so, and, I, and I'm looking for, I'm, I'm talking about like a, a super easy way, nothing related to manual DB queries or anything, just a push a button and duplicate a site. Uh, if you have a, a preferred way to do it, let us know. And if you want to donate money or time to make Brad get it finished, featured, finished <laughs> faster in his plugin, that also works. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We, we'll get it done. <laughs> um, what else so you got? I, I've got, we've been blogging like crazy. We, and I just I know, wanna, I see your post is coming out like what, twice a week right now? Uh, no, once just, just once a week. But I mean, the posts that we put out are uh, exhausting to, uh, to, to develop. Uh, so we did, uh, Gilbert did one, uh, a comparison uh, between Vagrant and Docker. And that was like really eye-opening for me because I'd heard about Docker, but I just hadn't looked into it. So I didn't know really what it was. Uh, so that, and, and, and the spin that he puts on it is, which is better for WordPress development specifically. Uh, so that's, that's a really popular article uh, that we've, we've had in the last couple of months it's probably the most popular um and uh ashley wrote a great post and published a library on github for doing background processing in wordpress plugins and themes saw that very cool yeah uh you know we'll probably we'll probably have a chat next episode about that in more detail i think that would be good a, a good topic to cover Jeff did a review of WP Pusher, which is a plugin for um, automatically deploying uh, your WordPress code. So, like, you know, if you have your site in a GitHub repo and you push it to GitHub, it'll automatically update your site. Um, so that's a pretty cool plugin. Yeah. I looked into Varnish Tash because we've been running Varnish on our site. And, and Ashley did this series of posts uh, about setting up, you know, your own WordPress site, your own, your own WordPress hosting. And he was using Nginx's fast CGI cache. And I was like, well, isn't Varnish better? Because <laughs> we've been using it for like three years. And I, I, I kind of thought it was. And it turns out it wasn't. It, it isn't really. It's really not worth having Varnish in, in, in your stack. And so, you know, the next is time... Is that just if you're using Nginx? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, if you're... if you're, Well, Apache is a different beast. I think it has its own caching stuff as well. Um, but And that's what we're using. We're using Apache on the back end of our site right now. Um, but yeah, I think if, if I set up a new stack, I'd probably do with what Ashley did in his series. Um, this seems to be the, the most modern way. Um, so yeah, check that one out. Uh, and then uh, three of the guys went to a Day of Rest conference in London, and uh, Ian wrote a um, summary of, of their their time there. So check that one out. And then just a couple other things. I was on the Office Hours podcast with Carrie Dills, who was on our podcast just recently. And we, we talked mainly about business stuff. So if you're interested in business stuff and... I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but I've mean, been meaning to go back and check it out. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a live show and there was people asking questions during the show and stuff. So it was a little different, uh, but really cool. 
And uh, and then just this week or just yesterday, I was at a, the local community college here, uh, just giving a two-hour session on how to contribute to WordPress core. And actually, I was trying to convince them to contribute to EDD and WooCommerce or, or like another kind of big uh, WordPress plugin. Um, sure, contribute to like the WordPress ecosystem, but not necessarily WordPress directly. Yeah, I, I basically what I told them was that WordPress core kind of moves really slowly, and you should definitely you know work on it and try. But in terms of like these are students that are graduating like in a couple of months, right? Right. <laughs> so so in terms of their employability, if they if they want to show that they've been contributing to open source. Uh, it could be a while before they have much to show for with, if they're contributing to WordPress core, whereas like tackling some bugs in EDD or something, they could really get kind of a uh, kind of a more immediate right. benefit there. Smaller systems allow you to have faster turnarounds. Yeah, exactly. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, yeah, but but uh, but yeah, and I also told them though that you're you everyone that you've ever hired uh, has actually contributed to EDD. So that's <laughs> There we go. That was probably a good, a good sell for you're, them. You're setting up my, my future team. I like <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, so yeah, that was kind of fun. Um, but, right, yeah, cool. maybe we should get on with uh, chatting about auto automatic yeah. renewals. Yeah, we'll be here all day otherwise. Um, yeah. Okay. So this is, um, I think, a really important subject, especially. Um, should we define what automatic renewals, what we need, mean by that? Like, yeah. And, and, yeah. Cool. Yeah, well, let me do that. Go ahead. Uh, so basically, right now, when your license expires the, for MigrateDB Pro, let's say, uh, you get an email. Uh, well, actually, you get an email 30 days before your expiry asking you to renew. And then like a day before your expiry, if you haven't re renewed yet, uh, you get those two emails. And in the email, there's a link to uh, log you into my account and drop you off at a page that is basically just one click to renew your license. Mm -hmm. um, and that's and that's manual renewal, automatic yep. ours renewal. Is, ours is pretty much exactly the same way. Right, uh, automatic renewal would be you get an email the day before your expiry or whatever, maybe maybe fourteen days, whatever that makes sense, uh, and it says you're subscribed to automatically renew your license. We will be charging your card in X days. Uh, and then it just happens and they get a receipt <laughs> emailed to them uh, that their charges that their card has been charged. Uh, so that's basically what automatic renewals are, but there's more complexity or <laughs> much more complexity to I it. I wish it was as simple as that. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll just add one little complexity uh, that's actually user facing. So let's say your card expired during the year. Uh, well, you're going to have to at least update your expiry date um, of your card or even potentially add an, a new card number. Uh, so we have to email you and ask you to do that uh, because we can't automatically renew an expired card, right? So, so that's one small part of the complexity. Um, another part would be uh, the when we go to charge your card, it fails. <laughs> and for unknown reasons, could be your card's maxed out, could be who knows, right? Uh, there might be a hold on it because of fraud or whatever. Um, and so then you have to deal with that somehow. So yeah, there's there's two like pretty complex things. 
Um, I'll, I'll add another one to that mix. Uh, now, this is a little bit more specific to, say, the EDD ecosystem. But let's say that you sell five uh, products. Yes. Or you sell 10 products. Or in our case, let's say that you sell 250. Um, and so an average customer purchases five to 10 products. And some people purchase them all at once. Other people purchase one. A few weeks later, they purchase another. A few months later, they purchase another, et cetera. Basically, you have, say, five to 10 different license keys, all with different expiration dates because they were purchased at different times. That now means that if, if you're going to make those automatically renew, every single one of those has a separate subscription. And that means that a customer now has five subscriptions on their account that expires and renews at different times. They each potentially have a different card attached to them. It gets very complicated very quickly. This is what we've been dealing with in the EDD ecosystem for the last year trying to work through. I'm um, interested. Are you so are, are you working towards uh, like combining those into one kind of renewal or what's what's uh, what's the solution well, there? All right. So we have a couple of plans. Um, so first of all, this all started uh, for us. The decision to go to automatic renewal started at Pressnomics of last year. Uh, we we're having a fireside chat and we are comparing our renewal rate to somebody else's renewal rate. And theirs was about 60% higher than ours. And we just said, damn. <laughs> okay, that's what we're going to do. And the difference was that they did automatic renewals and we did manual renewals. And yeah. they had at least a 60% improvement, mm -hmm. um, which depending on your scale is a pretty big chunk of change. So we, we decided that night that this was going to happen. Now, um, we are 11 and a half months later and it's, it's mostly done. Um, well, kind of. We've done it. We have... We actually, while I was in New Zealand, we launched automatic renewals on Affiliate WP. Um, and we decided to launch it there because Affiliate WP is the simplest of the, of the products that we offer in terms of the sales system. There's one product, there's multiple add-ons to it, but there's one product, you have one license key. Um, so there's only one subscription per customer, much, much simpler. So we launched it there and it's been, it's worked really, really well so far. And it's all, ours is powered by the new recurrent payments version for EDD that we discussed earlier in the show, um, which is getting released here pretty soon for anybody who is, if you're running a store on EDD and you want to do this as well, um, go pay attention to recurring payments because uh, the update's going to go out in the next two weeks. Uh, so anyway, we, we enabled it on Affiliate WP to, as kind of our live beta test, one, to beta test the actual recurring payments update for our, for our customers, but two, to beta test the idea of automatic renewals for our systems. Um, we're going to do it on EDD as well, uh, but that challenge of, well, we have customers that have 20 license keys, and they're all different. They have different expiration dates. We don't necessarily want them to have 20 different subscriptions, or maybe we do. Maybe we don't care. Or uh, that, Those were the questions we had to work through. Um, ultimately, I think what we've decided to do is to try to go kind of the route of like a club membership type thing, uh, where all of your license keys get combined into one subscription and so you have a variable amount so if you want to purchase a new if you want to purchase a, a new add-on um you we just add it a little bit to your your monthly subscription or something like that yeah i think i think what i would do as a phase one i would just make it so that each of the licenses automatically <laughs> renew if they choose to do that because that's a, still a big improvement over them manually having to renew 20 different licenses, right? At least it's automatic, you know? Right. Well, yeah. let me throw you another caveat, okay. another challenge. <laughs> so that was our plan. Um, and then we had a monkey wrench. Uh -huh. um, 
PayPal. Damn, damn monkeys. Yeah. PayPal. Um, now, it actually turns out that we believe we've gotten past this and this is no longer a problem. All right. So if you go through, if you work through Stripe, now in our case, we take both Stripe and PayPal. Reason being is that there's a lot of customers that have a credit card and they don't want to pay with PayPal. And there's a lot that are the opposite. They want to pay with PayPal. So we take both. In Stripe, if we want to go like from the developer's perspective during the checkout process and we want to go create numerous subscriptions, we can do that no problem. Piece of cake. You can't do it in PayPal. Turns out that PayPal systems, not one of their products, support multiple subscriptions in a single checkout. Oh, um, really? <laughs> except, well, until yesterday, we figured out how to do it. There is okay. a way to do it. Is but it called? That, that's what we thought. What's it called? Uh, it's through. You can do it through the PayPal Express and the Website Payments Pro API. It's just a very like you have to figure out how to use the API properly because they don't have it documented. And there's a lot of places on the web that do have it like documented as a tutorial that says you can't do this. We figured out that yes, you can if you just pass the right parameters. It's kind of one of those you you play around with the API enough, you plug different things in, you try different things, you eventually figure out things that are supported even though they're not documented. So it turns out that PayPal's API does support it through their express checkout API. But so that was a giant problem for us because we have a lot of people that purchase multiple products at a time and multiple license keys. If we were going to turn on, just go ahead and enable subscriptions for them, that would mean that they, if you wanted to pay with PayPal, you could only buy one item at a time. And that was a showstopper. We weren't going to do it. Um, so now that we figured out how to do that in in PayPal, it's not necessarily as much of a problem. So with um, PayPal, are you referring to reference transactions? Is that what they? Well, that's one way to do it, but no. Um, okay. You, reference. So a reference transaction for anybody who's not familiar with it uh, is basically a special kind of transaction in PayPal. It's a, it's basically a merchant agreement where you, as a merchant, can get authorized to charge a customer at any time. Um, and right. so you but basically they, the customer they have to give you permission, obviously. Right. The customer yeah. gives you permission to auth to create transactions on their behalf. And so if you go through, um, if you've ever paid with PayPal and iTunes or any Apple product, they're using reference transactions. Um, same thing, ups.com or um, basically a lot of the giant merchants that use PayPal, they're doing it through reference transactions where they they receive a customer's permission and PayPal's permission to charge customers at this time or on this interval. Um, so reference transactions make it very easy, but reference transactions are really hard to get enabled on your account. I just uh, got ours enabled uh, oh, this damn. week. Maybe I'm just talking to the wrong people. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't even succeeded in being enabled on a sandbox account. Oh, really? Huh. That's, I, hope, I hope the developer that I've got to do this can get it enabled on his sandbox. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to have to get... Uh, I don't know, make some calls, I guess. No, I, I, I'll, to, I'll look into that more. But we, honestly, we find honestly all it. I did was uh, I emailed them and then they send you their automatic response. And then I said, no, that doesn't answer any of my questions. And then I got a response saying, oh, yeah, reference transactions. Yeah, you can't do that through email. So then I called their stupid number. And then, <laughs> and then I talked to somebody who seemed to know what I was saying. Uh, and they said they'd take care of it. And then I got some an email like a couple hours later saying it was enabled. So. Yeah, well, that's pretty cool. I'll yeah. To, so I'm gonna look into doing it. We want to get it enabled for us, just so we have the option to it. However, I didn't like that as the solution because that means that, like, I mean, we want we try and make it so that any feature that we build, 
yeah. is usable by all of our customers. Exactly. And, yeah. and that is not something that is going to be enabled by all customers. I can almost guarantee you, you guys got it enabled pretty easily because you have a high volume. Yeah. Somebody who has $100 a month or $1,000 a year or something is not going to get it enabled. Right. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense from a product perspective. Yeah, for you guys to do. Yeah. Um, and we, we try and use all of our products as out of the box as possible. So, um, so for, for affiliate WP, then when you turned on automatic renewals, how does that, you must've only done it for, for we only do it for uh, new for, customers for, Oh, just for new customers. I see. So what, okay. what we did is we said, okay, number one, we turn it on. Every new purchase is a subscription. There is no opt-in. It is automatic. Well, we, we decided we have it set up so that our refund policy is a kind of a no questions asked. And also you can cancel at any time. So anybody who doesn't want a subscription, just cancel it. You still get the product for a year. Your license, your license key is valid for a year, uh, and we won't charge you again. Can existing we, customers opt in if they yes. if they want to? Okay. Yes. Um, we have a couple of caveats with it. Basically, you just, you renew early, so the act of renewing turns your you into a subscription. Right. Okay. That makes um, sense. At some point, we we wanted to offer just like a one click from your account. Okay, active. It's a subscription. It's gonna bill you at that time. Uh, we haven't done that yet simply because it wasn't within the scope of our recurring payments product uh, that we we're building. So we're trying to build our system that we're going to use on our, our own stores at the same time as we're building the product because it was kind of killed two birds with one stone. Right. Okay. So with the PayPal subscription, so they get bounced to PayPal and then it asks them if they want to start a subscription and then they get bounced They're back i guess do that well it's just it's just like their paypal express checkout process where go to paypal yes i authorize this go back confirm and done and then it creates right. a subscription okay cool yeah i was wondering about like how you turned it on you probably could have turned it on for your stripe customers right for all because all those cards would be saved in in your system right like all the technically whatever, we could IDs. go through and we could turn every customer into a subscription into a subscription um, yeah. at least every stripe we decided that it was a breach of ethics. Okay. Um, yeah. Simply of the when each customer at that time when they purchase, they have not purchased an automatically renewed subscription. And we've had numerous people ask us, "Hey, like, are you going to charge me automatically?" And we say no. And so yeah. for us to suddenly just go and do that, we felt was wrong. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And when we do, when we turn it on uh, for existing customers, it'll be opt in. They will choose to opt in or or not or stay yeah. the way they have it. And uh, that's pretty much. What, like kind of what we did. Like we sent an email to every customer and said, hey, would you like to opt in? Yeah. I think what I'm going to do is offer them like a discount or something to opt we, in. Or We did that. We yeah. offered, I think, an extra 20% off. So our renewals are discounted at 40%. Right. Um, and so we said you can get an additional 10% off. And so you get a 50% renewal wow. um, if you cool. opt into this. Um, That's nice. Yeah. And we, we, are, uh, we didn't change any of our pricing when we did the subscriptions either. So... Uh, when you let's say when you buy a Philly WP and you buy the $40, $49 license, um, your first payment is $49, but then every other payment after that is $32, $34.5 or whatever the yeah, yeah. discounted <laughs> renewal price is. Right. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. I, with reference transactions, I, I mean, I guess I think we we probably made it sound like it's like this completely crazy thing it's really the, pretty much the exact same thing as what stripe does right it gives you like a kind of reference id to 
be able to charge someone's credit card at pay that that's stored in PayPal, right? Or not even their credit card, but their PayPal account. It's just like it's just a reference to their account. That, that yeah, that, it's kind of like storing a a card for Stripe, like a credit or debit card. Yeah, it's very similar. All of this is simply um, I mean, it's a a pathway to processing a charge programmatically. Yeah. So, so when you set up the uh, subscriptions, so, so uh, when someone pays with Stripe and, and you set up that subscription, are you also using Stripe's subscription system that they we have? Are. Oh, you yeah. are. Oh, interesting. All right. So this is actually, I think, a really good discussion. Um, uh, and I think it's really good for developers to consider this. So when you do subscriptions, um, there's, at least in my mind, there's two easy, there's two primary ways to do it. One is you rely on the subscription processing of the merchant. So Stripe's pay, Stripe subscription systems, PayPal subscription systems, they're automatic billing systems. Or you rely on your own processing of those subscriptions and you simply have the ability to initiate a charge to a customer at any time. Yeah. Um, so cron basically, or yeah. something like that. Right. Uh, and they both work very, very well, or they can. I believe WooCommerce subscriptions is relies on the cron processing. It, it does, yeah. Right. And that's one of the reasons why reference transactions are so important for, for you guys. Um, we have always decided not to go with that route. Now, for me, there's a couple of reasons. And there's to me, there's disadvantages as well for what we've decided. So we chose to always rely on on the merchant processing of subscriptions for one primary reason. If my site goes down, I don't want to have those customers not charged. And I don't want their charge to be delayed and catch them off guard. I know that my site and my customer sites are far more likely to go down than Stripe or PayPal. Just sheer scale and infrastructure. Um, I would rather not properly record a subscription payment than to completely miss charging a subscription payment. Right. Um, and I think, yeah, I think another good reason uh, for you to do to choose to go that route is that you just said that PayPal subscriptions, you just want to use, I mean, you don't want to do reference transactions because it'll, you know, a lot of people won't be able to use those. So you're using the tr kind of the, the old school uh, PayPal subscriptions, right? Where PayPal handles the transaction. Well, if you if you you know if you use that route for PayPal, and then you do like managing your own subscriptions with Stripe, it, it, you kind of got two systems going there, two different systems, right? Whereas if you just say, well, PayPal, we have to do it so that PayPal processes the subscription renewal. Why don't we just do it the same way with Stripe, and then we can kind of then it's kind of a cohesive system, right? Right. Yeah, and and we tried. We want to make sure that all of our payment gateways, whichever one we're using, all behave more or less the same way. Now, we are considering inside of EDD recurring payments of actually doing a combination because we've discovered that there are some payment gateways that actually don't have subscription handling. Oh like God! <laughs> Amazon Payments, for example, Amazon Payments does not have subscriptions. Right. You can. A lot of people do subscriptions through Amazon, but they're all with billing agreements, basically reference transactions, where the merchant is approved to charge you at certain times. Right. And, but they still have to initiate the charge. Oh, man. So we're actually going to do a combination. Uh, oh, so there's no, there's no winning. <laughs> there's no winning. Now, one of the advantages, um, and it, this is a significant advantage um, of doing, uh, of processing on your own, like 
like WooCommerce subscription is doing, like you guys are doing with, with reference transactions, is that it makes it far easier for you to manipulate the parameters of the subscription. Oh, you want to change it to $10 a month? from 15 or you want to go bump it up to $25 right. a month, you want to make it a quarterly billing versus a monthly billing. That's very easy to do. Um, depending that's, on, depending that's exactly on, why we're, where we chose to go that route so that we have control right. over it. Depending on the yeah. merchant that you're using, that may or may not be possible. So like Stripe, you can do that. No problem because Stripe's subscription API is beautiful. Mm -hmm. PayPal. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Well, PayPal reference transactions. You can, well, right. Right. But, it, but I mean, yeah. if you're relying on their actual subscription processing, right? Like, I can't just Forget go in it. and take a subscription no. that's in that's running in PayPal where PayPal's handling the billing and say, you know what, I want to change you to be quarterly <laughs> billing. I want to change you from no. thirty dollars a month to fifty-seven dollars a month. No. You can't do it. Yeah, basically have to get the customer to do it all over again, right? You cancel and then recreate it. Yeah. Which it's really annoying. <laughs> super crappy. Right. And that I think is the biggest downside to relying on the merchant because not all merchant APIs provide it. Yeah, exactly. Oh well. I mean, there's no perfect solution, I don't no, think. There's, there's really not. It's, it's a whole lot of figuring out what is the best for each individual situation and compromises. Right. Compromises, mostly. <laughs> yeah. So do you guys have an uh, a estimated date for when you'll turn on auto renewals? Uh, well, I asked Ross. So Ross McKay is, is going to work on this part-time for us. Um, he runs uh, WebAware is his kind of handle. Uh, anyway, he, uh, you know, he's got quite a bit of experience working with WooCommerce and EDD actually. Uh, so he said three weeks, I think that's probably generous. So I, <laughs> that's, that's three weeks of development. Then we got to test it and integrate it and who knows what else. Uh, so I, I'll probably say like a month and a half probably, uh, before we get this thing, uh, rolled out to new customers and then there'll probably be additional development to enable it for existing customers and, and send that email out to allow them to opt in and all that stuff. So hopefully in the next couple months though, uh, we can get that rolled out. Uh, but there's, I've got a lot going on besides that too. So I don't know. We're redesigning our, our entire site, so <laughs> that, that might have an impact. So, <laughs> just, just possibly. <laughs> well, yeah, I think automatic renewals are um, a super smart way to go. I'm I'm really glad that that we're in the process of moving that way. I mean, we got affiliate WP launched on it. We're gonna get we're gonna do Restrict Content Pro next, and then we're gonna try to do EDD in in one form or another. Um, and if you are if you are selling um, annual products, I would seriously consider doing automatic renewals. Um, it's I'm telling you, it was that one fireside chat where we had a something like a 15 to 18 percent renewal rate, and they had an 80, and uh, that was a um, that kind of blew my mind. And it was it's very easy to make that decision at that point. When I was at Big Snow Tiny Conf last year. Um... Oh yeah, I didn't even talk about that. I went to Big Snow Tiny Conf last month as well, but but anyways, uh, last year, right? I was at Big Snow, and uh, and uh, one of the guys was like, "So you're not doing automatic renewals?" You're, you're, he was just like baffled. He he does not. He's not even a developer or anything. Like he's just. He's just a business guy and he was just like baffled why we wouldn't be doing it. And I gave him a bunch of really thin excuses. 
And he was like, well, you know what? Next time, next year, when I come back, you're going to have this enabled. And then last last month, I showed up and he giving me grief about it because I still hadn't done it. Uh, so that was that was the that was the tipping point. I was like, okay, I can't go back another year, and he, I still haven't gotten this done. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. so what I uh, and I'll just put this out there. One of the th- other things, like, so if we go from X percent renewal to if we increase our renewal rate by sixty percent, um the single act of turning on automatic renewals has more than doubled our revenue one year from today. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, if you think about it for a second, um, like if we say, if we, depending on what your renewal rate is, if you can, if we increase that by 60%, yeah, that's, if it's not double, it's going to be pretty darn close to it. Like a year from turning them on. Um, simply because of the, the increase in, in renewals. Uh, and that's, that's pretty huge. Yeah, definitely. Definitely worth it. Yep. So All right. Should we anyway, wrap it up? We'll wrap up here. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, if anyone has any comments or questions about this stuff, uh, just head to our website, applyfilters.fm, and submit yeah. the count, contact form. Oh, and a quick reminder, we have a little survey form at slash survey on the website. Basically, just a let us know if you want development questions, you want business questions, you have other comments, et cetera. Takes 30 seconds or less, fill it out. Let us know. It's helping us to figure out what we're doing in the future for this this podcast and things that we want to change or directions we want to go, et cetera. So if you have thoughts and opinions, let us know. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next time.